Good evening, good morning or good afternoon, wherever you're joining in this episode of Red Tinted Glasses, brought to you live here on the Red Tinted Glasses YouTube channel. It's Monday evening for myself and Callum, and it's the Monday after the first Premiership game of the season. Callum, not the best game, which we'll get into, but it's been a busy Monday, um, because of course we've had the Europa League playoff draw as well, which we'll get into straight away, but how was your weekend? It was good, thank you. I had a cold uh, in the build-up to it and then I was away uh, with my pals. Uh, and uh, no, but it was very good. There's a swimming pool, had a great time. The football was the low point and I came back uh, and we were we were treated uh, adequately by um, my heart-supporting friends. That's obviously... Uh, <laughs> they, they picked up three points uh, on the opening day and we had a miserable time. Um, but hey... You know, we went to lose, and we'll see who's fucking laughing. Thirty-seven uh, league games to go to win the league. It's fine. Yeah, I know. At least we're off the mark, and um, with a point anyway. Um, but we'll, as I said, we'll get into that later. And good to have many of you uh, joining. And um, Mark, your comment was there on screen. Good to have you from Houston and Chris Fra- Fraser working hard with us on in the background, and uh, hopefully not too distracting for you. Um, on this show with uh, lots of chat to to get into. Uh, and Calm, I think we're probably best to start. Um, with the Europa League playoff because that happened this afternoon. The Dons were drawn um, away from home first against Lithuanian side FK Zalgiris Vilnius or former team that we played just a couple of years ago was BK Hakin. Um, you won't remember and I definitely won't as well because I was only four at the time but we have also previous against Vilnius as well so two teams that we have played previously. Uh, initial reaction to that draw, Callum? Very happy. I let out a little cheer um, when it happened. Uh, probably one of the two more favourable ties. I would have. I would have thought that one and the other one would have been the one with Breda Blick in it because basically I thought, ah, we've played them recently and beat them as well. So I'm happy. I'm very very happy. Uh, BK Hacking probably favourites to get through uh, that tie. But uh, interesting that teams we've played, we've both played them before. But I'm happy. I think it gives us a good chance to get into. The group stages, did I say it? Although BK Hacking probably a little bit better than they were previously. I think they're second in the Swedish league now. Uh, so good for them. Yeah, both teams actually second in their respective leagues uh, in domestic competition. Um, but as much as you did it, I did the exact same and was like, yes, get in, what a draw that is. But there's probably fans of Vilnius and Hacking thinking the exact same, especially if they watched that game at the weekend. Absolutely. I mean, when they consider, I suppose, that uh, they could have had Ajax and they got us instead, I'm sure they were delighted too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think the thing is, is we can't be complacent um, because probably fair to say there was a bit of complacency amongst maybe um, elements of our support um, at the weekend going into the game. Uh, yes, exactly. Both of us on screen just now were very much complacent. I was more so when Livingston rested about five players or so it seemed when the team news came out. Um, but look, what an opportunity it is to get into the group stages of, of a European competition. In, well, certainly Europa League. I know obviously we're going to be falling into the Conference League if we're not successful. But from what we could have had, um, some of the some of the draws, it's probably best case scenario for us. And do you think being at home second, Callum, is also beneficial for us? 
Absolutely. Um, it means, you know, we'll know what we've got to do coming back to a, a very raucous Pataudry, I'm sure. One of which I won't be at, unfortunately, again, uh, as I planned a holiday terribly when we were bad. However, I'll probably be tuning in wherever I am. Um, I think it, I think it gives us a good chance. Um, you know, we go over there, make it difficult for them. Even if we come away, and I'm not to be too pessimistic, mm-hmm. uh, this early on, but even if we come away a goal behind or whatever, but take that back to Pataudry, then we've got a very good chance, you would think. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, <clears throat> as I said on Twitter this afternoon, as long as we're still in the tie in that second leg, you know, Pataudry will be absolutely rocking for it. But as I said, we've got previous with both uh, potential opponents. And way back in 1996, we did play the Lithuanians, a 4-1 um, victory over in the Lithuanian capital um, with former manager Stephen Glass on the um, score sheet. Um, away in Lithuania. However, a nervy night at Pataudry ensued in the second leg with the Lithuanians, Lithuanians finding themselves 3-0 up to um, have the tie level. But Brian Irvin popped up four minutes from time to seal a 5-4 aggregate win for the Dons. If we take a look at the Lithuanians' column, they're currently five points off the pace in A-Liga uh, in Lithuania, but they've played two more games than the league leaders. 25 games so far this season, 16 wins, five draws and four defeats. An impressive 45 goals so far this season, conceding just 17. Uh, unlucky to, to lose out to Galatasaray um, in the last leg. An impressive 2 all draw at home before going down 1-0 away from home. Now They do have a, a Nigerian whose name I, I did not jot down, who has scored 16 goals um, this season already. So an impressive talisman up front that can can bag goals. I think when I looked at the, the BK Hacken side, um, it was a midfielder or a defender who was actually their top scorer on six or seven. So maybe goals not so easy to come from from their forwards. And looking domestically for uh, Vilnius, only lost one of their last 10 home matches domestically and that was to the league leaders, Panav- Panaves. I'm going to go with that as a pronunciation um, since you did all the tough ones last week. Uh, and looking at their home form as well, certainly in Europe has been very solid. Uh, however, their away form, not so much. Now, Vilnius are at home on Thursday night with that game kicking off at five o'clock um, UK time on Thursday for those that want to get notifications set on live score. So interesting to see kind of what happens uh, in that first tie and whether or not people are maybe confident to, to start booking flights or not. I know there's a lot of you um, maybe tuning in as well that have already got um, hotels booked. You know, people, uh, I know the ABZ guys are booking hosts and uh, people to give us an insight. I was too busy booking hotels for both places. Uh, instead, you know, priorities are in the right place there. But, you know, looking at certainly their form, maybe Vilnius aren't as easy as some people potentially thought. No, absolutely not. Uh, and as is often the case, I mean, look at uh, Hebs going to going to Andorra. Uh, I, I'm sure Vilnius are probably uh, a better side than uh, the Andorans. But Hibs went there, found it very difficult uh, with the conditions, and surprised probably by the uh, by the quality. And I think sort of I, I know Kairat especially. Um, you know, very decent financial backing, but at the time mm-hmm. prior, before before we looked into anything, we we're probably thinking, oh, got a half decent chance there. But then there is always the surprise that they are better than than you think they're going to be. But their league form 
clearly it is very good in the fact that they have they are in the middle of their season as well yeah. whereas we will only be a few games into ours thank goodness we will be at least a few games into ours <laughs> and players should be sharp but that does make it difficult because they are sharp they're in the groove they're on good form whereas we well we haven't started the best but we've only mm. played a few games Celtic up next and then a cup game it's not the best preparations perhaps um, but I still have faith Glenn yeah, no, I, I, absolutely. And, you know, worst case scenario, if Celtic doesn't go to plan this weekend, maybe um, the game against Sterling is a good preparation to get a bit of confidence. But um, I did see a comment today about um, reacting to the drawn fans being confident. And we all know how confident we were when we were drawn against Darvel. And look how that happened. So don't want to get too carried away in terms of confidence. And like I said, you know, after the weekend, probably my confidence is slightly dampened. Um, but uh, Milner's, I know you're one person that has booked um, hotels in both places as well and um, saying that it's a good draw considering there was places like Tiraspol and of course Bate Borisov who had a, a plane behind closed doors so there's places we couldn't go uh, and I totally agree because I think we both actually fell asleep in the casino in Ventspils um, definitely one of the weirdest places um, that we've been to following um, Aberdeen but both Vilnius and, and um, Gothenburg of course were hack and play will be great places to go. And I'm sure, you know, BK Hacken, of course, when we played them during the COVID season, um, there was a few that managed to get there um, and make that pilgrimage back to Gothenburg. And I think though that tie, if that is the tie that does happen, there will be a lot of fans wanting to go, given where the, the game's going to be played. However, tickets for both games look to be probably quite spare, given that I think, uh, I saw today that Hacking can only hold 5,000 in their ground. Mm. So the 20% would be around 250 to 300 tickets um, for that game. Vilnius, maybe we'll get a little bit more. I suppose they could also move that um, to a different stadium, but um, tickets could be the next thing that could be hard to come by for those fixtures. So um, I'm sure we'll be hoping not to kind of have a last minute rush or that going down to you know, a week before for trying to find out where we're going. I mean, yeah, if one of them could just win 5-0 in the first leg, I'm sure that would be ideal for all. Um, however, I do feel like there's a story about vent spills there that, that people might like to know, Glenn. <laughs> no, not at all. It was just one of the weirdest trips, a total, total ghost town. Um, Kaiser commenting as well, before we get into to BK Hacken, about the chance that we've got, and I guess taking it for granted, um, he says he certainly wouldn't be taking it for granted, but really we should be the favourites for this tie. Do you agree with that, that we should be favourites going into this tie? Um, probably, but I don't know if that, you know, that could just easily be my bias. I know, mm. um, obviously, in BK Hacking, by the way, weird that Stephen Glass was playing against Vilnius and then was manager in the game against BK Hacking. So there we go, weird how things work out. Um, obviously, we, we may think... We, did very well Pataudry, 5-1 winners, before losing 2-0 over there, and it was a bit shaky. Um, but they would appear to have got, have got better. You'd like to think that we've got better since then, but they certainly have too. And again, with that fitness, they are 18 games into their season or something right now. Um, it could be difficult, but hopefully we're favourites. If anyone wants to take that tag away from us, though, and make us the massive underdogs, then I'm OK with that, absolutely OK yeah. with that. But regardless, I think it is a very good opportunity to get into the Europa League group stages and even if we fail in that I'd say conference league group stages and 
opposition like this is probably a pretty good idea of what you're going to get in the Conference League as yeah. well. Um, obviously, there will be some a, a lot bigger teams in there, but if you look at Hearts, for example, they ended up with a team from Latvia in their group, and this sort of could be good preparation for that. Yeah, and I saw that page on on Twitter that kind of like works out all the permutations, and they've made Vilnius the favourites to to qualify for the Europa League group stages purely because their UEFA coefficient is eleven point something, and I know ours is six point something. So, um, if you want to base it on coefficient. Uh, Vilnius would be the favourites to make the group stages but weirdly enough if you're going by the bookies actually the bookies have because uh, I checked um, before doing this for Thursday night's first leg both teams are the same price to win the game um, I'm not Elf. sure who's the, the favourite to go go through but um, I think it'll be a close uh, encounter that this game between the two sides before we find out but looking at the Swedes interesting you know some people saying that they've improved since we last faced them a couple of years ago I'd certainly like to think that we've improved um, but Chris Harvey saying that they've lost a lot of their kind of star players since we last played them um, as well um, the Swedes as I said, it would signal another trip back to, to Gothenburg and um, beat them 5-1 at home last time we played and as you said, Callum, we lost 2-0 away from home despite them having 10 men um, for part of the game. They currently sit second in the Alsvenskan, four points behind Elfsborg. They played 18 games, 12 wins, two draws and four defeats domestically. Also, like Vilnius, have scored 45 goals, but they've conceded slightly more, just the 20. Um, they're in this um Third round uh, after losing to KI Klasvik on penalties, the Faroese side that contained Haller Hansen on their kind of remarkable run so far. They've only lost at home once this season domestically, and their three def- other defeats have come on the road. In general, their European form has been pretty poor, both home and away. They did beat TNS um, home and away in the previous round before playing Klaskovic and former Don Declan McManus scoring the only goal for TNS in that tie but in general their kind of both home and away form in European competition hasn't actually been the best um, which is why you know I think a lot of people would like us to face BK Hacken but I'm sure Vilnius have, are, are going to be fancying their chances as well if you want to look back at the previous tie when you know, Vilnius were so close against Galatasaray and, and, and Haken went all the way to penalties against a team from the Faroes. And again, that's probably just us as football fans looking at probably more of a national team sense when you see someone from Sweden taking someone from Faroes to penalties, you'd have probably not expected that straight up. Probably not. Uh, without getting too far ahead of myself, by the way, it would be excellent if we ended up in the group with the Faroese team. I would mm. love that. That would be fantastic. Yeah. Um, but I think personally for me, I think hacking would be more of a known quantity, albeit, yeah. you know, it's been a couple of years, there has been changes, but, you know, we've got more recent history with them. We sort of know a little bit more what to expect with them. Uh, from a fan's point of view, obviously the staff and all that will be very clued up by that point. In fact, the fact we've got such a decent amount of time to prepare for that uh, is excellent. And I suppose from a travelling point of view, although tickets might not be easy to come by uh, if, if the game was to be played in Goth- Gothenburg, it'd be a lot easier, you would feel like, to get to Gothenburg 
even if slightly more expensive once you're there mm-hmm. and uh, also just a nice a nice trip I'm sure especially for those who were around uh, obviously in 1983 uh, if some mm-hmm. of them could get back over there I'm sure they would absolutely love that although probably won't be hammered sleeping on a boat this time yeah yeah absolutely you know I've actually like I said managed to price it up um, obviously I'm sure the, the price of flights will change between now and when the, the Thai um, is officially confirmed but on current if I was to book it now certainly for Gothenburg I could get that for under £300 for, for flights and hotel um, so like I said probably make up for that once you're there given that it's a lot more expensive than Lithuania but I'm sure with the, the nostalgia and everything, <clears throat> it'd be a triple lot we're looking forward to. But anyway, it's good to be having that kind of plans to begin to put in place. And it'll be interesting to see where we end. But I guess with the Swedes, they do play on a plastic pitch. I didn't check out the pitch that, that Vilnius play on. And Callum, I suppose that takes us to the opening day of the season because it was a plastic pitch we played on at Livingston mm-hmm. and we didn't exactly play too well. Um as Craig Chalmers said to us on Twitter when we asked for um, your full-time reaction to the result, he said, I'm not sure what I just watched, but it wasn't football. And I think that's a perfect summary because it was fair to say it was an eye-bleeding start to the season, Callum. Absolutely awful. And David Martindale said afterwards he thought it was a good game of football. Uh, I'm not sure what quantifies that in David Martindale's books, but for yeah. me, probably about a total across the 100-odd minutes that was played of about five minutes of football, maybe if you're lucky, combined, lucky to go 30, 40 seconds without the, the play being broken up by a foul. And of course, you know, if Livingston are going to do that to get a result, fair play. you got to do what you got to do. As you know, their budget's not fantastic, um, but it was very, very poor. And from where I was coming from, near Falkirk, it had been raining. I thought, OK, that might slicken it up a little bit, might make my walk to the, tree, uh, to the uh, ground a bit more miserable, but... Might slick it up, make for a better better game. Nope, the pitch was bone dry, not being watered, uh, very sticky. See the pellets uh, uh, kicking up as well. It, it wasn't good. It was very, very grim. And we'd got our hopes up. We'd got nice and excited for the opening day of the season. And um, let down, I think, is the only way we can describe it. Yeah, no, um, definite let down. And, and I guess the kind of argument really on social media and a lot of people kind of arguing um, in, in response to our tweet was, was Saturday a point gained or two points dropped? And I don't know if um, Fraser um, Waters is tuning in tonight or, or not, as he sometimes does to these live episodes, but he, he replied saying, we would have lost that game last season. We didn't lose it on Saturday. It wasn't ideal but it's not a loss. At least we're on the board and we're up and running. Yeah, I mean, I was trying to look at the positives uh, there as well in that, you know, we had a back five of Slobodan who'd been there since Tuesday, um, Nicky Devlin, a right back playing right centre back, Shaden Morris, a winger playing wing back, Jack McKenzie at left centre back and a 30 odd year old, and uh, what is he, 36, 35 uh, Johnny Hayes at left wing back and get a clean sheet and a point at Livingston, which is a pretty hard place to go when we couldn't play much football. That's good, yeah, at least. But uh, I still would have liked more and uh, we'll come on to it, I'm sure. But the, the lack of changes was a bit mm, disappointing. I would have liked to have seen a bit more. 
Yeah, and obviously there's this episode's going to go out on audio and they won't have seen the comment that I brought up whilst we were discussing this as well from uh, Neil Milne who was going back to the point on the, the Europa League draw, the fact that Vilnius beat Malmo both home and away last season to qualify for the Conference League. So, you know, a lot of people assuming Hakan's going to be the one that they get through, but Vilnius definitely showing up that they, they won't be uh, any mugs this season. So uh, so we'll be keeping an eye on that. There was one change Calm from the team that faced Charlton at, at the weekend as uh, Ruby made his debut in place of Jack Milne, probably the one we most expected. And mm-hmm. uh, there was also competitive debuts for for Nicky Devlin and Esther Sokler as well. Um, what did you make of, of Slobodan's debut for the Dons at the weekend? Uh, I thought he did okay. I thought he did did fine. Uh, defensively, he was he was good. He was absolutely fine. He looked a little bit nervy at times. Yeah. Um, on the ball, a lot of long balls, I felt, but it wasn't just him. Uh, that was throughout the team. He looked good. I think he'll only he'll only improve on that. A clean sheet in his first game when he was the only real centre-back playing uh, can't, can't be a bad sign. And um, I, I think I was impressed, if he looked, even if he looked a little bit nervy. Yeah, I, I think that's fair um, around the nerves. I thought the same. Um, he's very much a no-nonsense Um defender very much you know if in doubt put out type defender as David McLennan says seems somewhat agricultural doesn't seem as skilled as Pollock at first sight suspect he'll miss a few games suspended Um, and I think that's also fair to say as Michael Taylor um, said as well he was lucky to stay on the park for him Uh, don't like saying that but could easily have been sent off with a second booking now we've got that in the notes to um, kind of discuss Um, could have maybe also been lucky to stay on the park for the challenge that he picked up a booking um, for in the first half as well. Of course, that challenge was reviewed by VAR. Um, mm-hmm. I, to be honest, I, I wasn't kind of against the booking when it happened uh, in real time. I just thought he tripped um, Guthrie, I think it was. I just thought he mm-hmm. dropped, tripped, tripped him up. Um, <laughs> definitely didn't just trip him up when you watch that back on, on sports scene. Um, but of course... He puts his first Scottish striker in hospital with the the challenge on Bruce Anderson. To be honest, I'm actually going to blame the pitch more for for that because if you look at the way Bruce lands, I think if that wasn't a plastic pitch, the impact on landing isn't going to be as bad for Bruce Anderson, the way he kind of bounces off the surface. But to be honest, I never really thought that could lead to a second booking. For me, it was more of a a 50-50. Although with the way John Beaton was dishing out cards left, right and centre, I'm probably more surprised he didn't find a reason to, to give Slobodan a, a second booking. Mm. Do you think, though, that he kind of is maybe running a risk with some of those challenges? Or it's just, like you say, maybe could kind of put that down to some of the nervousness around his game? Possibly nervousness, possibly eager to to, to make an impression. Um, he's 23 He's coming over to a new league, only joined on Tuesday. He'll learn uh, when to be aggressive, uh, as we know he loves to do, and when to maybe settle down a little bit. Um, uh, no complaints from me in the way he played. I just think he will need to learn a little bit. Um, just wh- wh- when to be a big nasty bastard and when to just yeah. tone it down a little bit. But no no real concerns for, from me Um the uh, you know, we all talked about how aggressive he was going to be, this big mm. lad from the Balkans, and he's already um, put a 
player off on this stretcher. So he needs maybe yeah. needs to tone it down a little bit, maybe a little bit. Um, you think he, you know, he bought into his his hype a little bit too much there. Yeah, and I can't remember who tweeted us, um, but whoever like tweeted created the hit list and ticked off Bruce Anderson. Uh, good work. Um, but as Al Mitchell rightly points out, we've got to remember it was just his first game. He's only trained a few days. And I look, I know obviously we're kind of focusing on on the kind of the, the tackle and the, the incident with Bruce Anderson, but in general, Callum, I thought his all-round performance was very solid. And as someone also pointed out um, earlier in the comments, apologies for not knowing who that was. There's a lot of you getting involved in the show tonight, which is great to see, is the fact that we've got to pick up on the fact that it was a clean sheet. So mm-hmm. even though he's only been here a few days and it's, you know, I'm going to be honest and still claim it's a makeshift defence, given the fact that Shaden Morris is a right wing back. We we picked up a clean sheet, and I think as well from, if we're being brutally honest, Livingston created the better chances. You know, we didn't even have a shot on target for God's sake. Mm-hmm. Rose had a lot to do in that game, and you know, a point was probably we barely deserved. You know, in some sense, but at least we didn't lose the game. Yeah, I mean, a good clean sheet for us, I suppose. Uh, sort of on slow banana and his, um, and uh, maybe no nonsense type of style. I think uh, when he's combined with the likes of McDonald and, and and Williams when fit, who are maybe uh, slightly less no nonsense, then perhaps it'll it'll be a better balance, especially with Reese Williams. I think he's got the ability to be to be more of a ball playing defender uh, in the side, having been on the books at Liverpool for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I suppose defensively we looked pretty solid. Livingston also defensively pretty good. We just didn't manage to create anything. And I saw an average position um, map from Vitamin T on Twitter, and mm-hmm. unbelievably narrow. And the fact we didn't change yeah. it at all and only made one substitution, I couldn't believe that because we were making nothing, making no chances yeah. whatsoever. I mean, Robson was critical of Duke. I think Liz Volley on the left foot, perhaps, maybe rightly so. Uh, other than that, I'm not sure. And the fact that they had very little created for them as well. Uh, him and Miofsky and also Sockler when he came on. Um, it it wasn't good, was it? I don't think Clarkson had his best game again, mainly down to the pitch probably. Shinny, um, not fantastic. Polvara, however, I think maybe the better best of the three. I don't know if it's on my bias, but... Largely, I think that's down to how poor maybe the other two were, but again, mm. not necessarily their fault. Yeah, we'll come on to the midfield in a minute and kind of some of the tactics as well um, that you kind of picked out on there. And yeah, the, the chances that, that Robson kind of alludes to, um, the Duke chance that he kind of blazed over, I thought maybe snatched that and probably just, I think he sometimes puts a bit of too much pressure on himself, maybe not helped by the fact that he was going to dedicate a celebration to us if he did score at the weekend as well. Maybe he had that in the back of his mind. Um, but, you know, probably backed himself to score rather than, you know, cut the ball across. But it just wasn't wasn't our day in, in front of goals. I just wanted to stay on the defence just now before before we move on. As I said, it was a competitive debut for Nicky Devlin up against his former, uh, former side. Now, a couple of episodes ago, I kind of questioned about whether or not Nicky Devlin could kind of match playing for a club like Aberdeen. I thought he was absolutely outstanding on Saturday. Kind of didn't put a foot wrong for me. Well, 
I'm sure Livingston fans will disagree on the tackle on Christian Montano. I know Bruce Anderson um, certainly disagreed with with that tackle, but kind of really wasn't afraid to put his body on the line at times. You know, great commitment to the cause, bombing forward. And in a game of little quality in terms of trying to get balls into the box, I thought Nicky Devon was always looking to to try and offer to to do that. Yeah, absolutely. I I, I was pretty impressed with Nicky Devlin defensively. He looked very good. He looked very much up for it against his former side, which I I enjoyed, especially considering um you know the little to and fro him Graham Shinney had uh, uh, when Nicky Devlin was up here with Livingston. The fact he's that kind of player, he's willing to, he, you know, he, he plays with his heart on his sleeve. I like that a lot. Um, and he put in a good performance. Right-sided centre-back, not his natural position. So surely only more to come when, when we do have some actual centre-backs to play there and we can move him uh, out to right wing-back if we're going to play that way. Yeah. Um, left side of defence, however, <laughs> um, just feels a total contrast. Now, you know, I'd... No, kind of just finishing on the right. Sorry about about Shaden Morris. Thoughts on thoughts on him because I, for me he's going to be an excruciatingly frustrating player to watch this season if he continues in the side. Mm. Kind of maybe kind of come on to that in terms of the Celtic game around Angus McDonald's return. Once again, getting himself into all the right positions and doing well to beat the man, but. As I said after that that Turriff game, it, it was the final ball that just for me just consistently seemed to lack on Saturday. Mm. Uh, yeah, I thought he actually did. Okay. He did fine. He did fine at right wing back end, not his position, but not somewhere I'd like to see him play uh, much much more often. Uh, if I'm honest, he he looked okay. I think the sometimes I was thinking he needs to work back a little bit more because he is right wing back. Yeah. But again, it's not a role he's incredibly used to. It's difficult. He's still a young player. Uh, he hasn't played much football for us at all, let alone uh, in his career at right wing back. Um, he was fine, but that final ball and things will maybe come a little bit more with a little bit more game time, uh, a little bit more experience, and also when he's played in his natural position. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And again, it just goes down to the fact that you, you're playing a player out of position. But, you know, I guess it's, some people might ask why was Ordadia not playing um, at the weekend, of course, didn't even come on. Um, and again, there was also, as we said, question marks around that substitution when Shaden did go off. We then moved Dante Povara to right wing back when, again, you've got someone that plays in that position sitting on your bench. Um I know, obviously, he wanted to to go with three strikers, but it didn't didn't make sense. Again, we're going to come on to that in, in mm. a little bit. But this is, we'll go to the the left side of defence now. And um, you said this before we came live, um, Callum, but Lee Seymour's put in the comments as well that James McGarry's wife needs to give birth as soon as, um, because for me, the left side is just not as strong as the right side. Uh, and I was a big fan of the, the guy next to me in the second half that said that Johnny Hayes was struggling to cross a road, let alone cross a ball at the weekend. It, to be honest, it wasn't just Johnny, because a lot of the players were struggling to put any mm. decent quality. But, I mean, Jesus, the corners especially beat the first man, for fuck's sake. It was painful to watch. Not good. Uh, not good at all. And I am worried if we go into that Celtic game with... Hayes and McKenzie as our two left-sided defenders. I very much worry about the prospect of them up against the likes of Leela Bada, 
uh, Turnbull who scored a goal at, at, at the back post uh, would be on our left hand side at the weekend. It's a concern, mm-hmm. um, I, I I don't like it at all. And ideally, I would like to see us bring in a left sided centre back so you don't have to see McKenzie there all the time. Fine as a backup player, I think for now, um, but. In games like Celtic, when we're in group stages, not for me. And likewise, Hayes, good score option, works his arse off for the cause. But sometimes, as you say, his final ball does lack and we shouldn't be relying on him at this stage uh, so heavily. However, on James McGarry, awful time for his wife to be given birth. Uh, Or awful time for him to be considering moving across the other side of the world. If we're honest, if we think about the stress that could put on his on his partner. Not great, but hopefully everything just goes perfectly fine and uh, we get him in as soon as possible, but uh, un- very unlikely, highly unlikely, he'll be playing against Celtic. If we have him against Sterling Albion, I think we'll be lucky at this rate. Mm. Yeah, no, true. On Jack McKenzie then, what did you make of his performance at the weekend? Because he's a player that comes in for a lot of criticism and mm-hmm. you know a lot of people saying it's just another kind of youth product that is the, the easy scapegoat so to speak for the for the support, there's always a local lad that that gets stick. You know, you go back to like Dean Campbell, really Ryan Duncan towards the end of last season was a player coming in for criticism. Although I do think that criticism towards Ryan Duncan was kind of not helped by the fact he was being played out of position. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, Jack did okay in yeah. terms of having to deal with Joel Newblay and the the physical presence that that Joel Newblay offers, but again it's his over-reliance on his left foot because there was times when, you know, he was running back to goal and Joel Newblay was charging after him. He could not use his right foot to play that back pass or find another player. He had to turn to get clear on his left foot. And it goes back to that point you just said about coming up against Celtic this weekend. If you've got a player like Leo Labada, Kyogo, Turnbull charging down on you with a bit more pace than Joel Newblade possesses, mm-hmm. you're going to want your defender to be able to use both feet and clear the danger and not get caught out. Absolutely. I mean, I think he did he, he did do fine. He did fine at the weekend. And I think as that sort of backup left-sided centre-back or left-back, that's fine for now, absolutely. And maybe we'll get better with time as well. But um, I just think... In order to have strengthened off the back of last season, uh, you know, right now we've gone from Scales to McKenzie. It's not an improvement, really, is it? Um, mm. See, he did fine. I'm worried about this weekend, though. I'm worried about when he comes up against uh, even like some sort of Yataro Oda, for example, scored at the mm. weekend. Um, it's a concern, and especially with an aging Johnny Hayes in front of him on that side as well. Um, but he's fine as a squad player for me, I think. Yeah. I think think that's fair. Um, of course, the pitch um, received a lot of criticism. Uh, I think rightly so, given how badly the ball stuck up. Uh, I don't know whether it was a deliberate ploy from Livingston not to water the pitch at all. Um, of course, there was a lot made of the weather on the way down from those travelling from Aberdeen with the ridiculous road conditions at, at Lawrence Kirk, Dundee. I mean, who thought it was a wise idea to put roadworks between Dundee and Perth. Don't get me started on the stupid amount of traffic between Dunfermline and the bridge. I mean, I don't know if it was a mass exodus from the shite side of Fife trying to get across the bridge at the weekend or the fact that the rugby was on as well meant that, you know, everybody was trying to get to Edinburgh, but 
it, it was just, I mean, an absolute disgrace. Had we not found a shortcut to avoid the roadworks just after Dundee, mm-hmm. um, we'd have definitely missed kickoff. Um, so that was extremely annoying. But mm. how much can we blame the pitch at, at the weekend, Callum? Because part of me feels that Robson's been using it as a bit of an excuse mm. and kind of brushed aside the fact that we didn't actually have a plan B and we were just hoofing balls to Duke up against six-foot centre-backs that were lapping that up all day. Mm-hmm. I mean, by the credit to Mikey Devlin, I thought he looked very good, first of all. Uh, yeah, no, he's... Shock, shock he pulled out a worldie after I went I on know. top body and criticised the hell out of him. And nearly scored an absolute yeah. belter too. Uh, but no, we didn't have any plan B. I think, see with the pitch, I'm always like, oh, can't, you can't blame the pitch, it's an excuse or whatever. Or we can't blame it too heavily, we should be able to adapt. Other teams can go and do it. But yeah. the amount of times you hear like former players, for example, Charlie Mulgrew, you know, take what he says anytime with a pinch of salt. However, yeah. on sports teams, it makes a massive difference. And obviously, he played on it last season. Um, the amount of ex-players, our current players, managers, that do say it, it must make a serious difference. I mean, when you're used to playing on a slick surface and all of a sudden it's not even grass, it's sticky, it's not been watered or anything, it must make a difference. It must make a difference. But at the same time, we know what we're doing. We know we're playing Livingston. We've known it for a month. We know yeah. that they're going to make it difficult. We know the pitch isn't fantastic. Come up with a plan rather than lumping the ball to Ayo Obalai, please. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a concern for me. It didn't help, but adapt and overcome is what I see um, what route did you go by the way just out of interest down to Livingston um, just down through Dundee and then just as you'd expect the normal way after that down to Edinburgh we cut through some place just after Dundee um, the name escapes me we cut through it when we went down to a Scotland game before when there was that big accident that plant vehicle fell off the back of a trailer so oh. it came out but like Stu was like, well, we go through Dunfermline and Glenrothes and then come out kind of like Inverkeething way. But mm. the map was all red for like every direction. Yeah. So yeah, when sticking. I think, sorry, cat, if this is a fucking nightmare. Uh, <laughs> I think that's where Paul, I think that's the way Paul Donaldson went through Glenrothes. And that, that was also a, probably a fucking nightmare because right now the Tay Bridge is. Uh, both one lane on on one side and you've got to go around a roundabout the wrong fucking wave you're coming north so the whole thing absolute disaster um, but you know still everyone made it in good numbers but I, I think a few were at this point and they couldn't make it to the uh, lack of amenities in Livingston there a little bit earlier and yeah. they, they could have done with a few more drinks I would think definitely definitely could have um, back to matters on the pitch and speaking of the pitch um, you know it was quite evident as well that some of the times when we were trying to play that slick for free-flowing football that you know Barry Robson's adapted the ball was sticking under you know Leighton Clarkson was getting quite evidently furious with probably you know the, how little he was seeing of the ball but anytime he was trying to do something the ball wasn't moving the way kind of he was expecting but I don't know what Barry Robson was hoping to achieve in terms of just pumping the ball up long because on the odd occasion when we did get the ball moving we did create a couple of opportunities and the kind of best opportunity we should have had uh, unfortunately Dante Povara probably played the wrong ball he played mm-hmm. in Duke um, when Miofsky was the better of the two 
to, to play in. And I think Duke ended up kind of getting into a bit of trouble um, the Livingston defenders doubling up on him. But if he played Miofsky and he was kind of through one-on-one, so there was times when we did get the ball down and play that we were doing things right. And, you know, on the other hand, Livingston were kind of cutting us open at times with some of their mm-hmm. passing. So the pitch works for both teams. But as a lot of people have also commented, we almost let ourselves be bullied by Livingston in a way. Livingston mm. came with a with a clear tactic. And I think as well, if you look at what Livingston did in terms of their starting 11, Bruce Anderson didn't start, Stephen Kelly didn't start, Pittman didn't start. These were players that when Ewan came on, you know, Penrice. Penrice didn't even start as well. Exactly. You know, Ewan, when he came on, spoke about the fact that Stephen Kelly was their best player. He'll be a danger. And David Martindale came into this game with a confidence not to play some of their better players. And even if you look at the replies to Livingston's um, Twitter page as well, mm. uh, their own fans questioned why Martindale wasn't starting some of these players. But David Martindale went in to have a fight with Aberdeen mm-hmm. and create a physical battle. And we dragged ourselves into that battle by not adapting and changing our own tactics and just hoping that something would come off. And for me, that was a big concern, along with the fact that in over 100 minutes of football, Barry only thought one substitution was suitable, given we've heard all close season how much a big squad is needed going into the season mm-hmm. and that we're going to need to utilise the squad. Are you telling me that on that bench, he did not trust anybody else to influence the game? That's what worries me. I mean, I know we've still got you know, four, five additions potentially uh, if, you know, the rumours or whatever were, were to be believed. But the fact we used one sub, it took till 78th minute to get to, to use it. Mm. We then put three strikers, so we had three strikers up the park when we'd not been yeah. able to create anything for the two that were already on there. And <laughs> um, I, I, I didn't understand it. I mean, you still had Baron off the bench, perhaps some more energy, a bit of legs. Uh, you have Bissouin, who now hasn't featured in the last three games, in which two of them were friendlies, which is a concern. And Ordadia, like you mentioned, we put Paul Vara out to right wing back when you've got Ordadia sitting on the bench. It was baffling. And you, you did get, some research on the substitutions, didn't you, Glenn, of Barry yeah, Robson? Yeah, I did. And, you know, speaking of kind of Connor Barron as well, you could have brought on, again, I, I know obviously he wants to bring on that, that additional striker, but as you said, we weren't creating anything. You could have brought on. Or Dadia at, at right wing back, and then you know brought on a bit more as you say legs in midfield, and we're going to come on to the midfield in, in, in a minute. But yeah, on the substitutions, Callum, we were discussing this this, this afternoon. Um, so I did a bit of research, and obviously we're allowed five substitutions a game. Barry Robson's taken charge for sixteen competitive league games. And that equates to 80 substitutions he could have made. Out of a possible 80 substitutions, he's made 46. Now, he's only in one game used his full allocation of five substitutions. That was the defeat at Tynecastle um, at the back end of last season when we used our full allocation of five. On most occasions, he's used two substitutions. He's done that four times. And those substitutions are Duke and Miofsky. Now, I didn't go in, into much greater detail um, than that, but it 
It was quite evident in the games when there's been more than two, Duke and Miofsky are almost always substituted. Mm-hmm. And in these games, we're be kind of already winning as well. So we're not really making kind of impact-changing substitutions. And I think you worked that out as an average of just under three subs a game, which yep. is a bit concerning that, you know, it is early in the season, but I think someone else also pointed out the fact that it's one win in six in the league, um, which you know, you know, it's obviously a new season, new players. You, you want to wipe this, the you know, the slate clean. But going into a game against Celtic at, at the weekend, pressure will build. There is an mm-hmm. expectation on this squad to deliver, given what we saw last season, mm-hmm. I, I, and it's just, I think, you know, extremely infuriating that you know the fans had paid good money to go down to Livingston at the weekend. And the fact that we could all see that something needed done in terms of changing, at least try, because Livingston were offering something going forward. We were offering absolutely nothing. Um, make a change. Uh, and there was just that reluctance. And in that, you know, for me to make that few amount of stats, it is extremely concerning. Absolutely. There's an average of uh, 2.875 substitutions a game, it's worked out. And as uh, John Kilo, I hope that's pronounced right, apologies if not, uh, mentions, at least 20% of those subs are for injuries as well, which is true. And I mentioned it sort of earlier to you, Glenn. Um, obviously, at the back end of last season, um, particularly, especially once Miofsky got injured, you know, substitutions, our options were a bit limited at times mm-hmm. in terms of quality anyway. Um, but it is a concern looking at those numbers uh, anyway, regardless. And, you know, the, the, the change that he did make as well was sort of baffling. You know, bring on the extra striker, all well and good. But as I said, we weren't creating anything. Povara's then going to right wing back, a position he doesn't play very well. And, you've got other players who perhaps are more natural or could, could change things. And the fact we stayed with the back five as well, uh, replacing a player who's not used to playing there with another player who's not used to playing there. Baffling. Uh, it's like we didn't, we were scared to lose almost, yeah. which you yeah. know, from, from, from the point we're in, going into the game, absolutely would be expecting to win. At that point, you can understand a bit of that coming in, but then you've got yeah. to, you've got to think best case scenario, not worst case scenario. The best case scenario is that we go and get three points. We start off very well. We've picked up three points where Hibs haven't won on the weekend, which obviously they didn't know at the time. Rangers lost as well. well. It would have been we would have been a lot happier, I think. But hey, I mean, hopefully, with between now and the end of the window, we'll add a good few more, and we will be able to see uh, him go above that average. I want to see him average at least three substitutions at game this season. Yeah, no, uh, and and Colin Gale says the negativity is blossoming tonight, and it. I, I didn't want to kind of get into that kind of stage that it kind of was verging on negativity. I think it's, I, I don't know, you know, tell me if I'm wrong, Callum, but it's more frustration rather than yeah. the negativity at the, the way the game went at the weekend because I, I feel that that point you just made there about kind of the outlook on that game was kind of summed up by Barry Robson as well in, in his kind of comments about kind of being happy to take a point given the way that the game was going. And a lot of people, given how easily wound up, especially our support get, you just need to look at the replies on social media and the reaction on social media at full time, mm. will tell you how unhappy our support was with that that result. 
um, well, most, um, as you know, Fraser already did mention it um, as well. The fact that, you know, as he pointed out, we'd have lost that game last season and we didn't. Is that kind of mindset that, you know, Barry's looked at this as being a, a, a tough opening game, pitch, other conditions, etc. And he's taken that point. Look, we're on the board. We, we move on. We move on to Celtic at the weekend as a, a different kind of kettle of fish. But I, I kind of agree with your point of view, Callum, in the fact that was there that little bit of negativity in some of the mindset that we didn't kind of want to make that positive change to go and win the game? I do feel though there was kind of a time in the second half when there was, I felt a bit of an onslaught from Livingston and it was almost mm-hmm. like, right, okay, let's just get out of here with a point. We've not played well, but we've started the season with something. We go again next week. But yeah, I, I do feel it's, I can see both sides of the argument. Yeah. And like I said, from kind of calling, I don't want to kind of seep into that too much negativity. Mm-hmm. I think my point of view is, it's more a frustrating start to the season yeah. rather than a negative start. Absolutely. I mean, look, it's it's a clean sheet to start this season when you know we're missing two starting centre backs. Um, it's not a total disaster. It's a hard place to go. It's just little little concerns, frustrations, as you say, especially when you know, it, it, for example, if we had Ross County at home up next, I'm sure we wouldn't be as concerned. But then Absolutely. when it's Celtic at home next, it's it's a very different story. But I do agree with Kev Swag here. Um, he, great name by the way, Kev Swag. Uh, Robson is still an inexperienced manager. If things are tight, then making a change could lose you the game. Don't forget the effect that the Ramadani sale would have had on the squad. I do agree, yeah. he, is in, he is inexperienced and he will learn, but he does have Aggie next to him as well, who's been around the block, let's not forget. But should we yeah. talk about the Ramadani sale whilst we're here, well, since it's been brought up? Yeah, let's, because... We were kind of making that point, the three of us at the game um, at, at the weekend was, I certainly felt in the second half, Ramadani was a miss. That kind of bit of experience to kind of maybe slow the game down or just kind of grab the game by the scruff of the neck. Um, Brune made the point that he probably felt actually Ross McCrory was a bit of a miss in, in terms of that game and there was a point made by Funky Beats in reply to us on, on Twitter that the team's probably slightly weaker and we do need that bigger players in midfield mentioning McCrory and Ramadani and their misses on, on Saturday as well and yeah look all the best to Yilber um, at Lecce it's a good move from an Aberdeen you know, financial point of view, the fact that it's good turnover. You know, originally we went to, to Budapest to scout Miolski, come across Ramadani, buy him for 100,000, you know, sell him for a million one year later. Um, we've obviously been left short by not having a lot of time to replace him for the opening day of the season. But, you know, on him personally, he did a great job for us, came in, bought into the passion that we as fans try and portray week in, week out, certainly the, the positive side, not the negative side that kind of Collins picked up on tonight. Um, and, you know, as a lot of people say, he got it. Um, but yeah, I do think he was a bit of a miss um, at the weekend. You mentioned that perhaps um, Shinny's slightly poor performance was probably, was possibly down to the fact he was doing a little bit of more of the work that Ramadani might have picked up, which yeah. is maybe fair, but I do tend to agree that McCrory was um, was probably more of a miss at that point. You maybe maybe would be then allowed to push him or Devlin higher up the park, and then one of them's in a little bit more of a natural position than than um, 
than Sheeran Morris. But I did feel that Povara came in and, and did pretty well. He did fine. Um, so I don't know in terms of just looking at Ramadani if he was such a mess, but maybe the effect it had on others perhaps more so. But I totally agree in terms of for him, you know, it's a chance to move just across the water from, from Albania, a chance to test yourself in, in one of the top five, five leagues in Europe. Um, probably earn a little bit more money as well uh, as f- for him personally and um, maybe more eyes on him in terms of getting more caps for the Albania national team too and um, for us look we made a million pound profit I suppose mm-hmm. that that's a good sign but I think we do need to replace with a sort of ball winning bastard of a midfielder and um, absolutely an addition and that's in addition to the two creative midfielders that we we're perhaps looking at think of the difference someone like Tony Teklic perhaps could have made if we had him uh, f- for that game or our chance to bring someone like him on who could maybe unlock that Livingston defence get on the ball make something happen so there is definitely um, plenty positions for improvement uh, going into the last few weeks of the window which I think Barry knows but you would like to see them in come, coming in sooner rather than later yeah and obviously the the guy Phillips from Crystal Palace um has I saw today been linked with um, Dundee as well. So I mean, surely to fuck if he's choosing Dundee over us, then that's a, that's a great a great concern. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't know how many more times I need to bang this drum as well. But as Darren Cable says, we should sign O'Hara from Samirin. And the problem was after his performance on Sunday at Easter Road, he's probably just added a couple hundred thousand onto his price tag um, as well. Again, you just even need to look at the second goal his tenacity in the midfield to win the ball back and then set up the set up the goal with the the assist I, I felt we were missing that um kind of intensity in the pitch uh, on Saturday in the middle of the park now Mark Robertson kind of did ask for our opinion on um Dante's performance um obviously now probably gonna have to be kind of playing a lot more until either we do find a replacement or kind of going to really have to step up to the plate in terms of being that Ramadani replacement this season. What did you make of his performance um, at the weekend? Because, you know, to be honest, I actually thought probably outside of Nicky Devlin, he was our best player, especially in that first half. His tenacity that I've just mentioned, I, I, I thought was on point, really looked to win the ball back. You know, probably going to blame the pitch for some of the, you know, through balls that we've been accustomed to in pre-season when we saw him not coming off. But for me, you know, he's a player that's not afraid to, to look for the ball um, mm. and was certainly happy to put himself about. Did tire in the second half, I felt. Um, certainly not helped by being played right wing back for the last 15 minutes. Um, but, you know, I think he can be happy with his performance. And as mm. he said on his Instagram, lots to improve and lots to learn. And I think that can be said for a lot of players from the weekend. Yeah, absolutely. At least he's aware of it, so that's a good sign. Mm-hmm. I thought he, he did pretty well. I thought he did he did good. I think it's a good platform for him to, to hopefully build on whilst he has this opportunity. He's been given the shirt over, over Baron in Ramadani's absence. It's up to him to go and make it his because he's got to be thinking, they're maybe going to bring someone in here, but I've got the advantage of I've got the shirt right now. Uh, and I don't think he did his chances very much harm uh, there either. And obviously... Uh, as you mentioned, perhaps on, on a better pitch, um, we're maybe we're maybe talking about him grabbing a, a, an assist, uh, you know, with the ball that 
he sort even he sort of overhit for Duke and he didn't get the chance and maybe he chose the wrong ball, but perhaps Duke would have been able to do something better with it. But I think I think he did well and it's encouraging. Um, interesting, you thought he tired, which is maybe a concern. If so, considering he's probably the fittest of the lot right now, having played regular football yeah. right till the end of June. But um, reasons to be positive. I don't. I don't. I think. You know whether we bring we will, we will bring in someone you'd like to think to replace Ramadani, but having Povara there for the competition for places for the rotation can go no wrong for me after that. I think so far. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's funny you speak about rotation. We're only using one sub at the weekend. We do need kind of decent rotation to kind of be occurring. There was kind of one other incident. I saw Paul Donaldson mention it in the comments earlier. I did put it in the notes as well, Callum. You'd have probably got a good view because I saw where you were sitting when I went to speak to Neve at half time. Um, kind of probably in line with the Boyan Miowski shirt pool in the first half. Um, we went went out for a corner to us, no VAR check. Uh, obviously, been a lot of social media talk about the Motherwell handball in the Dundee game um, that VAR didn't get involved in. Are you surprised VAR didn't get involved in that Miowski shirt pool or not for you? Just play on. Um. They would have surely had a quick look at it and then thought, no, no point in getting taking this any further. I thought at the time I was like, fucking penalty, it'll be soft because it's on Miofsky, but penalty. Yeah. Um, however, once it was uh, not given, I wasn't too surprised. And having seen it back, it would have been soft. There was a soft penalty, you could maybe argue, given in the uh, St. Mirren game. Uh, mm. And uh, then also... Um, what maybe would have been a soft penalty not given at Parkhead on Trophy Day or, or Flag Day. What a, what a fucking surprise that was. Yeah. Uh, whilst we're here, they gave a corner, despite the fact it should have been a goal kick if it wasn't going to be a penalty. So it's like they felt sorry for them for not giving the penalty and gave them a corner uh, as sort of, uh, as a, oh, you're not getting that, but we'll give you this instead. Um, not a penalty, sorry, um, for me. However, at the time, I was like fucking desperate for it. I also thought it's going to be tough here, so we could have done with it. But given the fact that we obviously missed one against Charlton, uh, who knows? So, fuck it. Would have been nil-nil anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, I didn't have Miofsky in my fantasy team, so I'll depend on who took it. Um, but, of course, our fantasy league did get up and running um, at, at the weekend as well. Um, I think there's over 400 of you uh, in the league um, and Calm, do you have who's currently in first place after the opening weekend? Regular live tuner in uh, but I don't think in, in just now. Uh, Skoskar, top on 87 points. And then there's a few others on uh, in the 80s, one on 83. No team name FC. Congratulations, whoever you are. Uh, meanwhile, I am well, well, well down the list. Not, not a fantastic start. An okay start. 96th place currently for the Slobodons, uh, 59 points. No idea where you are. Can't be arsed finding you, Glenn. <laughs> no, I don't even know if I made 50, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, um, well down the table. Probably lose interest in a couple of weeks. Uh, one final point on the game from the weekend, but maybe kind of more relating to further on in the season, came from Stephen McPhee Music. So I'll just bring it up on screen for you to see because it was, came in a while ago. Um Picked up on the point of the three at the back uh, is too restrictive on this squad. None of our other wingers are wing backs and we're missing out on some creativity up top because of it. It won't happen, but he'd love to see a 4-2-4. Um, I know you can't see that bit on screen just now. He did comment that underneath uh, a little bit later. Um, 
What are your thoughts on that point from Stephen that the back three is a bit too restrictive on the squad? Because we did see uh, in the preseason games that we kind of did change from a three at the back to a back four in the second mm. half of certainly the Torf and I, I certainly thought the the Fraserburgh game as well. Mm. There was maybe arguments we could have done that at, at the weekend as well to try and you know go to this plan B that Robson was reluctant to do. Yeah. Should we be kind of looking at something other than a back three and getting away from this style if things aren't working? Because obviously Robson does have that as his main main plan. Yeah, I would like to see us be uh, be able to adapt and not be stuck in set in one way. I think that probably well, I'd like to think that will be the case that we will be able to to adapt and maybe change it. For example, for the slightly lesser games, not lesser games, but. Teams that are likely to finish in the bottom six, that Pataudry, for example, no need to play three centre-backs there when we're going to be ball-dominant, creating chances. We need the width provided by full-backs and wingers. Um, I'd like to think we can change to that. Um, right now, uh, I suppose just with the way the squad's sitting right now, uh, having having you know Devlin and, and McKenzie alongside Rubicic probably helped rather than just one of them being there. Um mm-hmm just in terms of weight of numbers kind of thing uh, when you are struggling with injuries. But I would have liked to have seen us change, um, you know, with 10 minutes to go even uh, just to, to try and uh, get the extra two points from the game. But hopefully we can, um, we can, we will be a bit more adaptive. Uh, absolutely, for example, go for the three games at the uh, three centre-backs for the likes of Celtic, Rangers, at Tyne Castle, maybe at Easter Road in some European games. But we need to be able to adapt because games can be very different. For example, the games against Celtic, you're not going to have the ball. You need to be strong defensively, whereas other games we're going to be more dominant and we need to have the creativity and, and be able to commit those body forward bodies forward. So hopefully we can change it. It's something that I was hoping we'd see uh, probably at the weekend, but we didn't. But I'd like to see us do that. Um, but right now, he trusts Morris and Hayes, it would seem. Um, you know, Maybe Duncan, uh, don't know where he was, but apparently ill but not involved at the weekend. Uh, mm-hmm. But Basawin, I'd like to see him giving a try on the wing, but not going to fucking happen, is it? No, probably not, Callum. You're just, uh, despite your constant pleas, I don't think it will. But you know, I think there's a, I don't know, yeah, maybe a, a degree of stubbornness to, to not want to change that formation. And, you know, a few of you in the comments saying about the, the back four giving us more balance and, and David McLennan actually saying that the the kind of the back three probably won't work against Celtic and should maybe go with a, a 4-4-2. I don't see Barry doing that, especially at home. I think he'll want to be um, certainly more on the front foot at home and kind of look to take the game to Celtic where possible. Um, but if we look ahead to the, the game against Celtic at, at yeah. the weekend, Calm, is this game important to get something from, given the fact that we didn't get the three points that many of us will have expected it to um, against Livingston? Or, you know, given it's only the second game of the season, is it kind of too early to be, we need to go out and get three points? We don't need to go out and get three points, but I'd absolutely love it. Uh, I'd absolutely love it. I think it's it's unlikely, but possible. Um, I saw, seen the highlights of the of the game against Ross County. As uh, things I can't find to uh, says, did you see a Ross County play at Celtic Park? I thought they played really well. Really well. I agree. I absolutely agree. They managed to grab two goals. They looked good. Um, and Celtic defensively, not particularly 
uh, convincing. I, I don't. I don't think they'll be adjusting in, in terms of their new manager as well. There'll be a very good crowd at Pataudry. Um Hopefully, we could have another body or two in the door by then. And uh, yeah, as Kaiser says, if we set off Celtic, I'm not going back because well, remember what happened last time we fucking did that at Park yeah, at That was heartbreak. So it's either lose four two, have a go, or lose one nil anyway because they'll always find a way it seems yeah no absolutely and uh, as i said to kind of regular celtic podcaster that joins us for these previews but unfortunately he's playing fives tonight and um, colin what about the kind of game at the weekend he did kind of go back to the the game at the weekend against ross county and say that with the greatest respect to them a better team than county would have probably punished celtic and he's actually quite concerned um, for this weekend, given the way that we look to play and like to play, that we're going to kind of cause Celtic problems this weekend with our pace in attack. So it makes me feel nervous that Celtic fans are dreading the game this weekend. And I I, I spoke to um, Natasha Natasha Meikle, who's been on a Celtic state of mind before and um, various other Celtic podcasts, um, for her thoughts um, on the game as well. And, you know, kind of would Celtic maybe look to change things? Because both her and Colin were in agreement that, you know, Celtic didn't play well at, at the weekend. Uh, and she said that changes are probably unlikely as Brendan Rodgers will look to continue to play a settled side. Um, I think Aberdeen are likely to target right back. So interesting that we feel that Celtic will target our left side and we'll look to target their right side. So that'll be an interesting kind of area to, to watch at the weekend. Uh, Tony Ralston didn't have a great game. There might be temptation to make a change and put out Iwata in there, but feel it's unlikely. Celtic are getting a lot of good play through David Turnbull and Matt O'Reilly so far this season in the middle of the park. So I think that's where we're most dangerous. Um, very interesting to kind of see what happens there. But you picked up... Um, one thing from the weekend, Calm. Mm-hmm. No Liam Scales involved at all in the Celtic squad as this transfer saga drags on. Honestly, I just want it to be over with, to be honest. Whatever happens, I'm sick of it dragging on. Um, probably won't feature this weekend either way as well. But what's your kind of initial thoughts and fears or hopes for the game this weekend? I'm a bit terrified, as tends to be the case when we play Celtic. Um, the David Turnbull coming on to a game uh, as well, grabbing two goals at the weekend. Kyogo's movement looked very good from what I saw. Lila Badass starting uh, as well. It's a concern, especially when you consider Lila Badass is going to be down that left-hand side, as I mentioned earlier in the show, left-hand side mm-hmm. for us, rather. Yeah. Um I'm worried, but um, there's always that sort of slight hope, isn't there? And if we can, for example, get Angus McDonald back into the starting eleven, that could change things a, a lot for us. Or perhaps Ordadia with another week of trainings, maybe up to sharpness as well. Maybe he mm-hmm. comes in, plays right wing back, and we've got natural players in, in, in their positions and also better defenders too, which would help, uh, of course. Um, interesting that you said Concerned about her, uh, about Celtic's right-hand side. I suppose that's with Tony Ralston playing uh, yeah. over at, at Alistair Johnston, who's still injured at the yeah. moment. Um, 
still a good player and um, still a good player but it, it, it's reassuring to hear that they're worried about us I suppose rather than they're going to uh, steamroll us uh, yeah. I suppose on Liam Scales I would be I would not be surprised to see him maybe come on to the bench because Carl Starfelt probably going to leave to Celta Vigo I imagine because his misses has moved from Celtic to Sporting so apparently he's going to go off to Spain so they're closer together you would think um, yeah. but that if 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 it's Navrocki to Navrocki to start their their new signing, uh, someone who's maybe not too familiar uh, as well, uh, playing into that sort of shaky defence. Two, mm. it'd be two defenders that aren't playing uh, that would be playing that weren't in in their side so much last season. Um, reason to be encouraged, but I hope we do take the game to them at least a fucking bit given uh, how it went last time at Pataudry. Yeah, and I think, though, if you watch kind of the opening 20 minutes, uh, or you know, certainly maybe first 10 minutes from Parkhead at the weekend, you've got to be encouraged by Ross County's approach to that game because, what was it, I think they won like four or five corners in the, the opening 10 minutes. So they weren't afraid to come out and have a go, and you've got to remember that's at Parkhead. You know, to sound like John Mells, this is our home, this is our team. Um, around the ground, raise the roof, you know the rest of the words. Um, but we need to, you know, start that the game at the weekend positively, come out all guns firing. I'm sure the red shed for the first time this season will be absolutely rocking. Of course, we've got however many thousands of season tickets we've sold now. It'll be, as you said, a pretty full pataudry. Um the atmosphere will be good. The fans will be right up for the game and behind the team as well. And I think if we can come out and, you know, put Celtic under pressure early on, how do those kind of new Celtic players react? How does a dodgy Joe Hart cope? Because he didn't look at his very best um, at the weekend and a lot of maybe Celtic fans as well, kind of picking up on the fact that, you know, could his time at Celtic be coming to an end? You mentioned the, the, the centre-backs. Um, of course, there's also a rumour doing the rounds as well that Colin asked me about as well is Scott McKenna has been linked with a move um, to Celtic recently. I mean, would could that be so typical that he makes his debut at Pataudry if that was a signing to come off this week? I wouldn't go. I wouldn't go. I'm too heartbroken if that was the case. He'd be a good signing for them, I've no doubt about that. But please, please, God, no. No, no, please, God, no, no, no. Okay, get the point. Okay, no. <laughs> yeah, that was that was what I was going for. Uh, please don't let that happen, whoever. If there's anyone up there, Lord above, don't let that happen. He'd be a good signing for them, but I would, I would be very upset. I'm gonna have to gouge my eyeballs out with a spoon. <laughs> um, on our defence, then, um, David McLennan brought up um, quite a bit of goats. How long this show's gone on for? Longer than normal. Will Ruby play if McDonald and Williams get fit? I'm not sure if David was kind of meaning more in general or kind of ahead to this weekend. But obviously, Angus McDonald, congratulations to him and his partner on the birth of their child, which came on Friday and um, day before Livingston. Obviously, you know, Barry was saying that he was kind of touch and go anyway, and we were discussing about risking him or not. Um, good way to make sure you, you're not involved. Um, better excuse than any to first... Uh, birth of your first child I'm sure he's itching to get back on the pitch now if Angus is fit for this weekend does he come back into the team and mm -hmm. where 
does he come back mm-hmm. into the team? Mm-hmm. Yes, he comes back into the team. Uh, Hoy him up with turmeric and it'll be fine. Uh, I'm sure. Yes, he comes back into the team. For me, he probably comes into the team. I don't want to be harsh and say for McKenzie, but maybe for McKenzie. Uh, either for well, it's either for McKenzie or Morris, and then that would either allow Devlin to play uh, right wing back with McDonald on the right hand side, or if he comes in and plays left side and centre back, then I feel a little bit better about things as well. Um, but then if Williams is fit and we can play all three together, then I would be absolutely delighted. Yeah, there's a few folk in the comments speaking about Williams, you know, potentially coming back. Now, I haven't seen anything personally from Barry Robson to um, kind of back that up that um, Reese Williams is going to be fit for the weekend. There was definitely more talk around Angus being fit for the weekend. Now, I was kind of toying with saying, you know, bring him in for Jack McKenzie, but we didn't see him that I can remember. Did he play on the left side last season? He was the centre back and it was Pollock on the left, wasn't it? Um, uh, no, scales on the left. Pollock on the was he not on? Pollock was on the right of the three, and then McDonald in the middle. We got, yeah, well, McDonald was in the middle. Um, was kind of the point I was roundabout getting to. Um, <laughs> but I would go with the second point that you made and put him in for Shaden Morris and allow Nicky Devlin to go out to to right wing back because we saw what he can offer at kind of that bombing forward option um, on Saturday against Livingston. Probably more natural position, as kind of Ewan mentioned when I'm speaking to him about Nicky Devlin as well. And then, you know, Angus can come into the the centre of defence. He could probably move Slobodan to right centre back and put Angus straight into the middle to marshal um, Jack McKenzie as well if he stays there. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe McKenzie being between two experienced heads and McDonald and, and Hayes might help him as well. Um, mm. I suppose then there's also the possibility that Dadia could come in and McDonald could play left-sided centre-back, then Rubicic, Devlin and uh, Dadia right-wing-back, Hayes left-wing-back. Who knows at this point? Because he's fit. He just seemingly isn't up to speed as of yet. But yeah. hopefully that won't be too long before that happens. And I think then we would be looking at certainly a lot better. And that's before Reese Williams uh, comes back or we even add uh, any further defenders. Yeah, well, I mean, you also said it when he came on the podcast to speak about or as well. He does have experience at left wing back. So you could even throw him in at left wing back, Nicky Devil on the right. But... Again, that is a lot of changes to, to defence and do you want to make that amount of changes for uh, a game against Celtic? And yes, we know we've not mentioned Anthony Stewart, but I really don't see how he features this weekend. No, neither do I. But you know what? I'll give him credit. So at the end of the game uh, against Livingston, he came over and applauded the fans. And honestly, if I was him, I wouldn't have fucking bothered. Uh, so fair play to him. More of a man than I. And uh, good on him. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe he is the key to saving us. I don't know for that. That's right. Yeah, and it'll be interesting, I guess, that it, it, kind of in the next few weeks to see what departures await this Aberdeen team. Because as much as we need players in, I'm sure we're going to have to move a few players out um, going forward to to maybe accommodate some of the the new arrivals. For the rest of the team, then, Callum. Do you expect many changes to be made for this this side going into the game? Because I don't really see where we make any changes unless forced 
um, in the middle of the park. Hopefully, Leighton Clarkson gets to see more of the ball, not just watch it fly over his head this weekend. Mm. Um, and I'm sure Dukamiowski will be looking forward to playing on a better surface this weekend. Absolutely, I suppose for Dukamiowski as well. With Duke having an extended break, it'll be another. It'll be 90 minutes under him and, and Miowski's belt. Who latter came off an injury, uh, another week of, of fitness as well and training. So they should be sharper. I can imagine. I can't imagine Saltler's going to come in. Uh, it'll be them two uh, up the top, you'd imagine, and then I'd think the same midfield three that started against Livingston as well: Clarkson, Chinny, and Povara. And it'd be interesting to see uh, how uh, Dante would do against a, a slightly higher quality uh, of opposition um, you know going up against internationals in, in um, McGregor and Turnbull and then you know Hatati or whoever else they decide to throw in there yeah that's going to be kind of really we, we've always spoken about this on the podcast that that midfield battle especially in home games as well and that midfield battle between Callum McGregor Rio Hatati and Graham Shinney and Dante Povaro is going to be, be key uh, at the weekend we've We've seen countless times how Celtic seem to have a linchpin in midfield that can pull the strings, whether it's Scott Brown, whether it's Callum McGregor. You know, you go back to that game in December last season, the, the kind of heartbreak that you, you alluded to that, that was brought by allowing them just that extra bit of space. And that's really something that we can't afford um, to do. We've seen how Brendan Rodgers' teams have hurt us in the past. And we need to make sure that we don't show Celtic too much respect on it. I just think, though, that, well, he's maybe done it at Parkhead because we've had some quite heavy defeats against mm. Celtic under Barry Robson, but both of them have been at, at Parkhead, is that I don't see Barry Robson being respectful to the opposition. We saw in that game um, against Rangers at home, in that 2-0 win, how much we kind of got in the face um, of Rangers. And I, I really feel that he's going to do that again this weekend to Celtic. I hope so. It worked. It absolutely worked. It unsettled them. It allowed us to win the ball out of the park, create chances, um, and obviously get the three points as well. I would absolutely love that to be the template um, by all means. And um, I, you know, we men- you mentioned they'll have someone pulling the strings. It's likely to be Cal McGregor. I would love to see Big Dance putting himself about and getting yeah. right stuck in there. Six foot yeah. four, make. Make it work for him. Absolutely get stuck in there. And uh, I'm sure that'll win a few more fans over as well, uh, if successful. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I suppose a few other things to be excited about um, at the weekend as well is, of course, seeing the new scoreboards in action and hopefully flashing up in our favour. Although maybe, I don't know how well people in the South Stand are going to see them, given they're going to be above your head, Callum. Um, And of course, the new dugouts as well. Um, See what they actually look like. Pissing myself with excitement, Glenn. Uh, And I suppose as well, the new ticketing system as well, because everybody's gone back to having season ticket cards for the first few games of the season um, instead of those e-tickets on your phone as well. Um, It can't be as much of a farce as it was getting into Livingston at the weekend. Um, Hopefully everything runs smoothly for the club because no doubt if something does go wrong, we'll have something to moan about off the pitch rather than on the pitch because... Boy, do our Zabardonians love something to moan about. 
Absolutely. And ideally, there's not just going to be individual police, one police officer per town style searching every single person that goes in like there was before the Rangers game uh, last at Pataudry. That was a fucking nightmare. So nice and smooth season tickets. I'm quite glad. I like that everyone's got a season ticket. I don't know why you never choose the e-tickets. I like the wee cards. It's nice. Well, well, to be honest, I do like it on my phone, but then I get paranoid that, you know, my phone's going to run out of battery and lose my phone. I'm just going to have to actually remember to take my wallet because... I usually forget to take my wallet because everything's on my phone. So that's going to be the one thing I'll need to remember for this weekend for a change. Yeah, it's definitely that and not the fact you grudge getting around in, isn't it, Glenn? No, just do Apple Pay instead. <laughs> it's easy. Um, yeah, but um, we'll be back next week um, reviewing the game from the weekend and the game coming up after that. Um Thank you very much to everybody that has tuned in to tonight's live episode. It's different doing it on a Monday. Um, it's normally been midweek, but it's actually been quite fun doing it on Monday, hasn't it, Callum? It has, keeping everyone on their toes and lots of involvement. Thank you very much. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube or watching it back on YouTube, even make sure to leave a like, subscribe, follow us on X at RTG underscore podcast, Instagram, RTG.podcast. And for Football Manager Nonsense, uh, from this man child, this particular man child, uh, Callum Knight on YouTube every Thursday. That'll change when the Dons are playing, but for now, every Thursday. So you're the man child and I'm the Love Island fan, are you? Look, I don't know. It was very hard to work out considering both could apply to both. Yeah, it could do. It could do. And uh, a shout out to the guys at ABZ as well. Um, we know how hard it is doing live episodes. We love doing them and bringing them to you and um, so shout out to them and good luck to them um, doing a live episode in person at full time on Saturday rather you than me doing it in person because sometimes it's uh, a bit easier doing it when we can just see the comments and either decide what gets brought on to screen rather than having heckled at us uh, in person but good luck to them and if you are uh, in town after the game head along to Siberia to check out what they've got to offer so we'll be back next week with our offering as well and um, and as Calm said, if you are watching just now on the video uh, live on YouTube, please do hit that like button, get the subscribing, and wherever you are as well on audio platforms, subscribe and get the notifications on for all future episodes. We do really appreciate all support, feedback, positive or negative, because um, that's the only way we improve. So hopefully Barry Robson's been listening to all criticism and feedback, positive or negative, because that's the only way we improve on the pitch as well. Until next time, thanks for tuning in.